Hello and welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. You should know me by now, but if you don't, I'm Mitch Michaels, the host of the Sports Podcast Show. Delighted to have you with me as there is only one show this week and we got to make it good. In order to do just that, talking to a couple people. First up, the return of hip-hop artist Black Beckham. It's his second appearance on the show. Glad to have him back. He's also a noted NBA fan. A very knowledgeable source of info for the sport of basketball. We're going to talk about the playoff picture as we're gearing up towards the inevitable, it would seem, with Cavs Warriors 3. We'll talk about the draft lottery, how the Wizards didn't quite get over the hump against the Celtics, and a couple more topics. It's going to be good to talk to him. And then after that, Ken Kaczynski, good friend of mine, UFC fan, and we're going to be discussing that UFC 211 pay-per-view, as well as some hockey playoffs. Four teams left, not the four you'd expect. Great playoff hockey every night. It's Black Beckham up first. Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the line on the Money Mitch Effect, back for the second time, officially a reoccurring guest, hip-hop artist, friend of mine, Black Beckham. Thanks for joining the show. Yo, yo, thank you for having me again. Thank you for having me again. It's an exciting time right now. It certainly I'm ready. Is. I'm ready to talk. I'm upset. I know, I know you're always off. ready, and I know, I know you're upset, and we're going we're gonna to let you speak your mind. Uh, I do want to just catch up for a second. I know... You know, it's been kind of busy for you in the last couple months. Just wanted to check in, see how things were going before we dive right into the to the NBA topics. Well, things are going really well, really well. My uh, my EP, No Excuses, season two is um out. I've been getting good reviews on it. It is available on my SoundCloud for anybody listening want to check it out. Good reviews. I got I got some records on there that are starting to pick up. As far as music goes, everything's okay. I just came back from vacation. Actually, uh celebrated my birthday, and uh, Willie celebrated his ver- birthday out in Miami. So that was a good time, kind of unwind, because this is, like, officially, like, super grind time for me now. I'm gearing up to shoot some new videos and come with some new uh, promotional ideas that I got and how I want to launch my brand to the world with this last EP and my new music moving forward. So, you know, it's an exciting time right now. Everything's coming together. And I wanted to ask you one one question about that. I mean, you're going on vacation. I know you're you're going for some much needed R and R. But as an artist, are you constantly trying to to learn and and pick up new things in any walk of life, even when you are on vacation? Because I've always been fascinated about that process as an artist, as someone in music or another sport. How you're always able to just pick up on things and learn from different avenues of life, even when you're not you know really expecting it. Was that process still ongoing? For me, I would say for the last probably five years, maybe more, I've always been a writer and a creator of music. So I've been nonstop through, from college, past college, on to, you know I mean, the days of me now, being older, I've been a creator. I've been writing music. I've been recording music. I record at home. I have studios. And um, usually that's the case where I, I can't step away. I cannot think about a a cool punchline for a rap verse. I can't think about a chorus based on the situation that just happened. But for this trip, I told my team and I told myself I was not going to think about anything concerning business and or music because every once in a while, whether it's every five years, every 10 years, you have to decompress. Mm -hmm. I feel like to create an opportunity 
to have new ideas. Like, because if you continue to just build on old ideas and don't actually live, you won't be able to create. So for me, this trip was a decompressed moment. I was able to go out there. I was able to relax, enjoy my friends, enjoy the food, enjoy the culture. Um, I was able to wake up, not think about what's next. And I was able to just, you know, spend five, six days of totally unwinding. But literally the day I got back, I think the moment I landed, I was right back to it. Like, okay, okay. all the stuff that I just picked up, I'm ready to take on and, and apply it to my next next wave of, of music, my next wave of videos, my next wave of content, period. To answer your question, if they're artists like me, they're usually nonstop business, nonstop thinking about their craft. But at the same time, this actual trip, I did not do it because I, I decided this was the first time in a very long, I cannot think of the last time I actually took a vacation, a real vacation where I wasn't thinking of, because it's not a vacation if you think business. Mm-hmm. There's people who go places and they can travel the world. I feel like if you don't just relax, you're not on vacation. You're just in another town. <laughs> like, you're, yeah. I mean, you're just you're enjoying life, but you're not on vacation. Vacation is like a step away from all reality. That's how I look at it. I don't know how other people were raised. Right. No, I, totally I was going to say it sounds like almost like an athlete at the end of a season where you need that time to just step away, you know, from the sport to kind of just decompress and, and recharge the batteries and recharge and, and rejuvenate your creative yeah. juices. You know what's you know, it's crazy you said that because I was on vacation and this is where, why, you know, the season ended and I know we'll probably get into this in a little moment, but my boy Willie, and I talked about him last time, I was on vacation, but as an athlete, he wasn't actually. Willie's doing like three a days right now. He's doing yoga. He's working now. He's doing shooting drills. Like he's really in full grind mode to have one of his best summers leading up to his next leg of his career mm-hmm. so i got to see you know what i mean i got to finally be relaxed and sit back and i got to see my boy you know what i mean do what he needed to do because and, it, and i think the summer or end of the season you know it's good to we we made him take his his birthday off but or he took his birthday off that weekend but he was right back to it monday he was working out friday he was working out thursday he was working out so he was working out every day during week so i think that's his typical schedule is what he told me but I was just proud to see that he does it. He's taking the initiative. You know what I mean? It's not nobody like, yo, you, you want to work out today? It's like, I'm waking up, and, I, you know what I mean, I hit him up, and he's just leaving the gym. Uh, you know, that was, like, cool to see. That was definitely dope to, you know what I mean, see my boy working out. As soon as the season ain't even over yet. Their season ended early, but the actual season isn't over. And I can't speak for all NBA players and say they all working out and they're all grinding right now. Right. Right, and, and um, yeah. Oh no, I I think Willie is definitely an exception to. I mean, definitely, there's a lot of players that are working out. I think he's taking it above and beyond, and I'm glad that you brought him up. Um, it was cool that you were able to spend some time with him down in Miami that season at the end. And and we talked about the Heat and, and their progress the last time you were on, but they came about as close as you can to making the playoffs. I'm not sure. If this is what you were going to talk about earlier about you being upset, but how they missed the playoffs in dramatic, somewhat controversial fashion, just the fact that they were, that the Miami Heat were able to get that close after starting eleven and thirty was one of the more remarkable things I can remember in you know twenty plus years of being a fan of basketball. Yeah, actually, that's not why I'm upset because honestly, I we talked about it while I was out there. I'm actually nobody's like I don't think. 
they were satisfied. I don't think as a fan I was actually satisfied because we always going to have that what if. Just if you made the play, not even if you won the shit, but like what if you were able to knock off the first, I mean the first seed, or what if you took them to a game seven, or what if you had a game. Look at Kelly Olenek. It takes one moment to change the name, change your name within the industry or within the basketball community. So what if you had that game six or that game seven moment? So I, and then with this unit, they really were a brotherhood. Like these guys hang out with each other on and off the court, and I, I think that whole family vibe was kind of just like we didn't want it to end I didn't want it to end as a fan not even looking at it as even knowing well even just as a fan I didn't I didn't want it to end they were the most exciting team I'm on record saying they were the they were a top five team after January of 2017 this year and they were probably the second the best defensive team in the east maybe second best defensive team in the east maybe top I would give them like I mean I'm not going off of numbers and stats I'm going off of just actually position by position who they who their personnel is how they play defense how they played together and then also how they played on offense so as far as a team they were top five after january and unfortunately they they blew two big games it cost them the playoffs they lost against the knicks and i think they lost against the timberwolves like back to back they ended up tying indiana ended up playing cleveland as we all know and the Bulls ended up playing uh boston but I was proud at the very least. I just didn't want them to not finish 500. On the rate that they were going, they were the first team in history to reach 500 under 19 games, being 19 games under. They were 11 and 30, and they went 30 and 11. That's like crazy, crazy right. news. I don't know if it, this memory will last forever, but making the playoffs probably would. I mean, for them it will. I don't know how it will for anybody outside of the Heat Nation. But from what I've seen on Twitter and social media, Heat fans, like real Heat fans that are day ones are calling this, they're like top three, top five best team they've ever watched wow. from Miami. They say the LeBron era team was the best. I think Tim Hardaway and Alonzo Mourning might be one or two right there. And then this is like the third one that they named. Or, and I'm sorry, they, the D-Wade and Shaq. Yeah. So they're around, they're around like the, I think they, they're around like the really top three, top four exciting Miami team ever. So that's dope. No, I'm upset that Washington lost. Okay, well, we're gonna get to that. I, I just I, I wasn't sure if it was how the the Bulls and the Nets, you know, the Nets sitting six players that last game. But, that was, I, you know, what I think by now I'm over it, so I'm probably not thinking about it at yeah. the moment. That was very, very corny. I don't think it's a problem for a team that's making the playoffs, such as Atlanta, to do it. And if you've earned the right to do it, the last game of the season, hey, hey, the Heat should have not had to. It, it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't Atlanta's fault that the Heat, I mean, didn't make it based off of their actual record. Right. It's not Brooklyn's fault either. But Brooklyn doesn't have a draft pick. That's exactly nor, it. No picks. <laughs> no pick, nor do they have a playoff chance. So why would you not be playing? Like, who are you resting? Mm-hmm. Guys that accomplish nothing. So you're sending to me a bad message to the league. And also, like, what incentive did you have to rest them so so that the Bulls – was it the Bulls that played them? Or was it in the – yeah, so the Bulls got them, yeah, and, the they Bulls. Got the, and they got in the playoffs as the eighth. And then seed. this is the and then the, the icing on the cake was the fact that the Brooklyn Nets just beat the Bulls like three days before that. Yeah, wow, it with was, their, with their team, it was rough but, in overtime. But I mean, I, I'm a, but, I'm agreeing with you that it's it's still on the Heat to just you know you are what your record says and they yeah. had chances, but it was a little corny they, as you put it. Yeah, but on record, I congratulate them. That was one of the most exciting. And this year, I watched like every game. And that was one of the most exciting things I've ever seen. The way that they won 
so many buzzer beaters, so many dunks, so many three-on-one plays, so many fast breaks, a lot of three-point shooting. Like, this was an amazing team to see come together. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a movie. Yeah. If you really look at that team, that, that could really be a third. Like, they really – these guys all had to prove that they belonged to the NBA. And by the chance of that being the case, they all decided to listen and buy in to Pat Riley and to Eric Spolstra and play their role, and it turned out to them being 41-41. and 41. They got to get back to work, though. If they want to see that again, they want to make the playoffs, they got to get back to work. They got to get ready, and they just got to continue to play and buy in. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. It was an exciting end of the season, not the one that they would have liked, but something to definitely build on as I continue chatting with Black Beckham on the Money Mitch effect. And all right, let's talk about why you're mad. And it was the Wizards losing to the Celtics in seven games. There's a lot to go to, to digest about how it went down. But I'm going to ask you this. If there's one thing you're you know, pointing your finger at is the blame, why did the Wizards not do enough? I, I all credit due to Boston, but what kept the Wizards from being the team that won that series? The one thing that kept them away was cohesiveness, believe it or not. And the reason why I say that, I think only once in round one did Wall and Bill play great together. They play great. Like, like they're a good team together. I don't think they have that issue anymore. I think it's, it's clear that they, they're a one-two punch. They're not like, I'm the man. No, I'm the man. They play great. But as far as them being in the moment, John Wall has a great game. Bill struggles. Bill has a great game. Wall struggles. If they could just put it together consistently together, they would have won the series easily because they blew game one. They blew game two. Yeah. A good friend of mine, a good friend of yours, called me Chris and told me if they don't win four straight they will not win the series and mm-hmm. I was like I don't know they might could get game seven but by the fact by the time it got to game seven and they weren't they didn't win an away game you know I, I actually had confidence I was watching the game on, uh, when I was on vacation and I was having confidence all the way up to the third quarter I seen that run it was like four points and then they hit two threes or they hit a three and a, a layup maybe mm-hmm. and they went up like eight and I was like alright going into the fourth this is going the opposite direction uh, where it's supposed to go. I still have confidence in them because one thing I learned about Wall and Bill, I will give them credit. They will put themselves in position to win every night. That's not the problem. The problem is, are you actually winning? Yeah. Losing by four and five hurts a lot for the fan base. For me, I'm like, that's my, that's my do. That's like they like to me right now. This generation, they're the most exciting, best backcourt in the NBA. I'll give it to Clay and Steph through accolade and consistency. But I'm going with Wall and Bill every night. Well, do you and think the do you think the bench had a had a factor in this? That's one of the things I point to. They got nothing from their bench for about what five or six of those games. I mean, I just thought Wall and Bill were kind of exhausted by the end of that series. They and that's the and that's the thing. I'm giving them probably unfair criticism, but this the game of basketball, and the superstars have to be superstars when it comes to the playoffs. So if you lost, if you would have won. Yeah, we would want a Kelly Olenek on our side that just somebody off the bench drops 30. Bogdanovich didn't didn't show up. Brandon Jennings never really became I, – I thought he could be – I thought he was going to be a little bit better playing with Washington, like production-wise. He was a good ball handler, but he didn't really give you any points, any assists, any of that. Um, Bogdanovich didn't step up. I like Kelly Oubre, and my only fault was towards Scott Brooks as far as the bench of not playing him anymore after the scuffle. Kelly Oubre was the most consistent 
energy guy that compared to what Boston was doing. He wasn't scared. He was shooting the three well. He was averaging double-digit points. He was defending three, two threes and fours. He was getting blocks. Like, he was the only scrapper, him and Otto Porter. You need those guys, but they kind of went away from him and went more Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich had a good game, I think, four, three and four. Yeah, the first yeah. two home games he had, a, and that's when they went towards him. But Kelly Oubre, was, his style of play was more consistent, and Bogdanovich just had a hot game. So I think there was some personnel. They were, they were missing the sixth man so from the beginning when they never got Lou Williams. I thought that would be a problem. That was going to be what took them either into the Eastern Conference Finals and possibly beating Cleveland. But as reality is real, as it hits you, they need a bench scorer. They need a go-to bench scorer so that can play off a of bill or wall. And they need, I'm going to be honest with you, my biggest fault, they didn't have no rim protection. Yeah, they got nothing. And I love, I like, I like Gortat, but, but they don't get no, none of those players struggled going to the basket. Like, if you have to make, even if they make the layup, it has to be the toughest layup ever. Like, Isaiah Thomas was getting layups. Olenek was getting layups. Marcus Smart was getting Like, they need shot blockers over there. And even if, whether it's off the bench or whether he plays the four, they need a shot blocker. I like Marquise Morris. I think he's a good fit with Wall and Bill. I think you keep him. I think they just got to go. Honestly, if you're asking me what I would do different for the summer, I'm going to get a Hayward or a Paul George well, or yeah. somebody like that. I'm trying to. I don't That'd know. Nice, I don't know yeah. what the budgets look like. That's fantasy basketball. But I'm going. They need a three. They needed. They need. They needed somebody who could score when Wall or Bill, not necessarily couldn't, but when it wasn't really meant for them. Because you know you're going to double. Bill's hot, so they start double teaming him. Wall couldn't get a shot going. A third guy that would have put up 15 points in that game or or would have just – the third guy that can put up 20, maybe it's not Wall's night, it's this guy's night. They they get it done. We'll see if Porter can develop. I know his contract's coming up. And I want to end with one thing on this note on this Wizards team. And you know that I am a big fan of John Wall. But when I say this, I think there's some truth to it. It might end up being Bradley Beal's team. Like, I think that that's possible. And I'm not no, knocking Wall. But I think Beal has been playing unbelievable basketball this past year, and I think his progression could be meteoric in the next couple of years. I don't see – I don't really even – I don't think until after LeBron we really gave it to one person. Like, that's what – that's what K, see, I come from Minnesota. KG yeah. never wanted to be the only guy. We didn't win no rings like that way. Right. So I always looked at Kobe, Shaq, Jordan, Pippen. That was your structure. I was taught if you have – three all-stars you should be able to win a championship if you look at any team three all-stars can get you a championship even if that third all-star is just a glue guy like a robin they can get you a champion so wall and bill are two superstars i think this year solidifies bill as the next level the next guy going to the all-star game i think for sure wall is the best point guard in the east on both ends of the court I mean, on, on the defensive end, he's one. On the offensive end, he'd probably be two. So I'm putting him as at the best point guard in the East. Kyrie's the best offensive player, but, yeah, you know, he struggles that time. So my favorite point guard, the fastest, the strongest, great finisher, great passer, real floor general is John Wall. That's why I got one. I don't think it's Bill's team or Wall's team. I think it works best when Wall's the floor general and then Bill is the go-to scorer. Okay, yeah, so that's a better way to put it. They can kind of go with – they actually have the chance to play like traditional basketball. Like they have a point guard who can score but likes to pass. And then they have the all your plays run through your shooting guard. So he runs off – you notice when Bradley Bill is start, 
starting the uh, all them, them new plays that Scott Brooks runs where Bradley Bill can come off the ball versus just a pick and roll. That that that's him. And, and the fact he's shooting really good, I think it's just going to elevate his game. Bradley Bill's strong enough. He's big enough. He shoots well enough. His best asset this year was his dribbling. I think everybody noticed he was able to attack, able to get bounce passes because he was not nervous going in the lane. He was able to dribble both hands, create layups, dunks, opportunities for himself and others. They just got, I mean, honestly, they was a year, maybe two years away from what they want, what they want to accomplish. It'd be great to see it now, but hey, they got some, they're going to be a team that's going to come in in game one to game 82. They're going to play tough every game because they stomach are hurting right now. They are. I mean, they're sick to their stomach. They're ready to turn it like they want to play tomorrow just to prove that they can beat them again. I bet you. Yeah. So, no, they're going to get their chance. It seems like these teams are going to meet in the playoffs for the next couple of years. So, so that could be a budding rivalry, these two teams. Let me ask you a question. You think yeah. Bill had a better playoff this year than Wall? Like when you need the player the most? It's tough for me because up until this past game seven, I'd say no. But game seven. One of those two guys was doing everything he could from an offensive standpoint. I know it's one game. Uh, it's t- you know. No, no, I, I give yeah. I give Bradley Bill both sides. I think he's a he's their best defender. He has, you can see he guards Isaiah Thomas. Otto Porter. See the cool thing about their team: Otto Porter and Ubre can uh, relieve Bradley Bill having the guard the best yeah, player. Those me, guys yeah, guard. Let me put it this way: I think Beal is a better all-around offensive player. I think Wall is more clutch. I think Beal's more consistent. But if you need a big bucket okay. or a big play, I'm going to go to John Wall to, to make that decision. But having said that, See, if I need I, someone for 48, I'm going to trust Bradley Beal to be that consistent playmaker on okay. offense. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. But I think Wall proved that he plays 48 minutes. I just think those young guys who, you know, you got to get humble sometimes, he had a bad spurt at the wrong time. That yeah. last fourth quarter, the biggest game of your life, fourth quarter, you can't buy a basket. I don't. I don't think that he's not the guy that's not ready for the moment. We watched him get the first round go crazy, and then we watched him the first. This is the problem when game one and game two when he dropped forty, Bill wasn't there. Yeah. So I don't really say. I mean, for me, it's like that's what I mean by cohesiveness. When he dropped forty, Bill just needed to give us twenty, twenty-five, and a, and a twenty-five meaningful. This game seven, if Wall could have hit just three, if he if he could have went three or ten, it's an all of ten. They win that game, and they're on. They're playing tonight. It is what it is. I like Boston's team now. They they are – the fact they have the number one pick and the number one team in the East is going to be crazy. I want to see what they're going to do. I, I'm going to give you my predictions now. I say Gordon Hayward goes to Boston. I say they either – I would draft Jason Tatum, but they'll probably take Markel Fultz. <laughs> you take Tatum one? Whoa. <laughs> I, I would because they before. don't need a they don't need a point guard. Okay, There's three well, point guards. He's the fourth <laughs> third best player in the draft, and they don't need a point guard. I want to, yeah. I want to. We're gonna to get to that in a little bit, but I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about at the all. lottery towards the end of the show. But that is a, a major bombshell there. But uh, the yeah, Wizards. Yeah, I'm the, taking Tatum. Okay, all right. One. Jason Tatum one. Wow, that's <laughs> no. I like Tatum too. I just don't know if I could see myself. Yeah, but it's based off circumstances. Right. Well, what? And but I, yeah, I, we'll, we'll get to it. I, I do want to discuss that later, but I do want to get your thoughts, Black Beckham, on the Money Mitch effect about the conference finals right now. And it looks like the Warriors at 10-0 and in the playoffs are well on their way to the finals, up 2-0 on the Spurs. But I want to ask you about one thing in particular. Your reaction to the Zaza Pachulia closeout on Kawhi Leonard that resulted in his injury. Did you think it was a fair play, a dirty play, mind. a suspect play? 
I don't know how. I don't remember like playing in like as a kid playing in high school playing in a wreck. I don't remember a lot of people landing on other people's feet. You know what I mean? I was just thinking about that. Like, is that normal? But at the same time, we talking about guys who were about seven. I mean, this just sounds crazy. But these guys were seventeen and twenties and fourteens and sixteen. You know how long these? So I don't know if any like I'm seven feet. You're seven feet. Yeah, I'm I, closing out on you. It didn't look like he was just thick. You know, it didn't look like he just was like because you know the, the guys have control of their body too. Yeah. I don't know if it's I know exactly where to put my foot so he breaks his like, twists his ankle. <laughs> He or moved it was his foot just, twice, he, though. I mean, that's the big thing. I mean, he slid out. He, he closed out twice, and so you, I, so you guys are saying that as he <laughs> was to close out, he knows he's controlling his other leg, like to try to trip him or something. My, my and then it's just unfortunate. You know, you're never gonna know exactly without you know talking to the guy directly. what's, yeah. what's in his head. He's there's gonna a lie. Lot of, about there's it. a lot of circumstantial evidence. You know, some of those old Hawks Celtics run-ins with KG. But none of them, but none of them are that play though. Okay. I don't care. I like I don't mind dirty players elbows. Like that's how we was raised where I'm yeah. from. I was oh, like he, elbows. Yeah. But do you don't think there's that. any? Do you think there's any truth to that? There could be anything to the fact that everybody in that building knew that Kawhi Leonard had an ankle that had some issues, and he takes two steps. I mean, the first step I'm with you could have just been him trying to close out a guy with big feet trying to close out but the but you got to think about real know. life though when you go close out you're still moving and you're not even looking at the ball but you're just still thinking like you're you know what i mean you're you're doing two things at once i don't yeah. know how accurate he could be like this is going to be the play where i you know what i mean or if he does land on my he's out like i mean i didn't i didn't watch the game i heard they were up like 25 so i didn't really get to see the moment play out like oh he hurt but at the same time i knew Kawhi was hurt already Kawhi yeah. never sits out of games. When he sat out last series, I knew this was going to be a short-lived moment because Kawhi does not sit out. We all know he's probably the toughest player in the NBA. He's yeah. quiet. He, those guys, don't, don't, they play through injury. He was already wincing and closing his eyes like a couple moments ago. So it just takes any little thing to be like, oh, that's a dirty play. Yeah, Pop, but, did, but, but was he ready to play it on top of everything? And everybody's bringing up Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen used to always do that to Kobe. That's what I'm saying. But well, I don't remember Kobe landing on his feet. You know, I think the only difference is with Bowen. This was before the league really did crack down on it. So, I mean, you can look at sports and how they're played differently throughout the years, not just basketball, but football, baseball, hockey, you name it. I think the rules have changed. And you know what Popovich did. That was posturing. I mean, that was... To, but you know, you know, but you know what they don't talk like. about? What's that? That's not even... That's a new natural form. Let's be honest. Now, nobody talks about that. When you shoot straight up and down like that, only most people used to take that shot on a dribble pull-up. When you shoot threes and stuff, you watch Reggie Miller. People, the kicking out wasn't like to hurt somebody. It was for protection. Yeah. When you shoot, you naturally lift your leg up. Nobody would cross that line. But they started saying, oh, no, that's cheating. So now guys are going straight up and down with no protection of their self. The man comes so close to them that they're – landing like I because I, I was thinking about like in a record nothing we don't jump that high so we don't really you know I mean you're you talk about guys that jump 34 inches they jump up and they got a long way to land it you could be moving closer to him as he's coming down and not even realize it yeah no I see I see the side of maybe it was just negligence yeah I just don't um, I think he's negligent I think he's like Kylie Olenek yeah I think the exact same player they play rough and that causes people to get injured but they don't see nothing wrong with it. Is this there's certain guys that all like you go to the wreck, there's always that guy that like bumps heads with somebody and breaks their nose or makes them or give them a black eye because they're just play wild. Those guys are just I wouldn't necessarily say they're dirty. Dirty to me was like Lil Lambeer clotheslining you while yeah. you go for layup. Yeah. Like after that scene that and the NBA can't talk about no type of 
grimy stuff. I'm like, oh, he tripped me. I just, I just know that if that would have happened at a rec center, and you could probably vouch for this, there'd be words. There might be a oh, little altercation. Oh, be a fight. Like, yeah, exactly. If you could move, <laughs> it might be a fight. But your ankle, if yeah. your ankle's really hurting like that, you probably just wouldn't even. I, I don't know. Like, I don't remember that being an issue. That typical play, like I'm jumping and then you come. Only undercuts I remember that were really dangerous was going to dunk or layup, and the guys like to take a charge. Somebody pushes him or he bends over, and you kind of get undercut like that. I don't. This is like a new play where people are stepping on people's feet all the time. Yeah. I don't, like don't, you don't. I don't remember this being like an issue like two, three years ago. Just like they're talking about the pick and one three, that wasn't an issue. I don't know what they're teaching these guys on how to go over the pick and their arms get caught, and then the guy like Isaiah Thomas is an expert. He pulls up, he gets three free throws for nothing. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a new NBA for sure, but it's a shame because it's it's all but sealed the Spurs' fate. <laughs> And, and uh, I gotta and I gotta ask you though. I mean, are we just is this a formality at this point? Cavs Warriors for sure, or can the Celtics um, make things interesting? The Celtics are the only chance of making it interesting. <laughs> Lamarcus Aldridge is playing soft. Kawhi's out. Oh. I like that Simmons guy. I I like Lamarcus Aldridge, but he's not able to be the man and get it done. This this a this is not. He already had tough times back in the Portland days, and now we have a juggernaut team that he's trying to play against. So and no Tony Parker. So Spurs are done. If they win tonight, that would be amazing. If they win the fourth game, that would be amazing. But they'll probably get at best one more than likely they're getting swept. I think Draymond Green is there. Out of everybody on that team, Draymond, who always sees his opportunities, and I think Durant knows what it means to be eliminated. So it's game time for him. They're done. Boston has to win today. They lose today. I see them probably getting swept too. So that it can go either way with Boston. Yeah, I don't Boston think has to jump on them early. I mean, they have to I don't, jump on them I, early. I think the only team in the East that was even close enough to beat the Cavs, even though they lost, because basketball's a game of matchups. I thought the Wizards would be because of star power, because of the Bill Wall effect, and they weren't. Cleveland's not a Boston defensive team. They play defense, but they would have been had a little bit. It would have been a little bit more even matchup as far as Wall and Bill getting the basket. If Boston can somehow maintain LeBron, which is going to be exciting to see, and the Kyrie versus Isaiah Thomas show, and we have a new we have a new juggernaut matchup, Kelly Olynyk versus Kevin Love. Uh, yeah, <laughs> can't forget about that one. I think uh, the new Mikael versus the the new Mikael versus the new new Mikael. We have an opportunity to see some good games. I would hope for I want Cavaliers to get tested. I'm tired of teams not being testing them and maybe they're just that good but if somebody can finally put it a cinderella story together at least go seven games yeah, Boston, make it interesting they should be able to score right i mean we know cleveland's offense is lethal especially <laughs> no, Boston, but they Boston, should be able to score on that defense well i will say i just because i want to be the first person to say this the torch will be passed from popovich to brad stevens i think we all know over the next 10 and then maybe the only person who can possibly if he can win some games and turn it around, will be like a Luke Walton because Brad Stevens. I would want to play for him. Well, I'm surprised you didn't like, say he's Kerr, a, though. He's like a, <laughs> couldn't, uh, I mean, everybody. Could, I can go coach the Warriors. That's true. Me, I mean, like, yeah, Mike Brown's career resurgence with the Warriors is. I mean, think about it. Three coaches have coached him undefeated. Yeah, and haven't lost. <laughs> yeah, Luke Walton went undefeated in the season. Mike Brown's undefeated <laughs> in the playoffs, and Kerr's been there just winning games for two, I, three years. We probably coached them to about sixteen, you know, twenty-two. I think it's conservative. Estimate, yeah, but. so I think he, I think they're. I mean, you got to be a good coach to put a good team around you too, like uh, even of, of other coaches. 
So that was dope. But Brad Stevens, he's going to be able to get points. So Boston, I don't think they had a problem scoring against them in the regular season. It's just LeBron and Kyrie are superstars, and all they have is Isaiah Thomas. If he can give them a 50-point game and get a win, then they have a chance. I don't. I mean, not 50, but, you know, if he can do one of those type of games in this series. Mm-hmm. But, like I told you, I think the biggest sleepers, the way they win, is not going to be Isaiah Thomas. It's Olenek and Horford, who destroy the Wizards. Yeah. We'll see you what gotta happens. Go through them yeah, it should be so exciting. Got? I, I got the Cavs in. Man, I, I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, Cavs and Warriors. Uh, I think the Celtics I'm might win say. two two at most. I'll, I'll say five, but hopefully okay. it's six. I call a Cavs sweep. I'm calling a Cavs sweep or it goes 4 1. I'm, I'm taking sweep, but if I was betting. But Are we going to get 12 0 versus 12 0 in the finals for the first time ever? I mean, at this point, why not? Why not? That would now. That would be for a game seven. They would both be twelve and three. Twelve and three. Yeah. Or no, they would both be yeah. they'd be fifteen what? and three. Fifteen and fifteen and three. And then they would be playing for the sixteen and three record. Wow. <laughs> Why not? And I think Durant gets the ring this year. Yeah, it's looking like I think he turns it up the next round. They have they're coasting right now, let's be clear. Golden State's not playing hard. Oh, they're giving guys Cleveland. nights off in the playoffs. I mean, Iguodala, but that's the problem. Just take the night off. They're, oh, I'm, I'm talking about Cleveland will have to play hard. That's the only yeah. difference. They will have to play hard this series. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. But before I let you go, Black Beckham on the Money Mitch effect, that draft lottery that happened uh, last night, a few nights ago, I should say, by the time this airs, Lakers are still in the top three. They get the two pick, Boston one, Sixers three, and Phoenix drops out of the top three. They were the second worst team. They get the fourth. But first of all, Lakers, we knew this wasn't going to happen, right? There's no way Adam Silver and company were going to let the Lakers lose their pick this year. No, they're getting, they're getting. I, I don't even, I don't even know. If people do the conspiracy stuff. I look at it as deserving. They suck. They deserve Lonzo Ball. Come on, let's give him. Let's just give him over well, there. He has a shoe. He needs to sell that shoe, and is going to sell all that that market they got with him as a star. And if he can just be a Levine, Westbrook, Kobe, somewhere just fun and exciting, he's going to be a superstar they got brandon ingram that team will make it easier for him to be a superstar because he has players that can play now do you think it's smart for him i, I agree it's likely that he's going to go to the lakers at two but do you think it's, no he's going it's, to the lakers Magic you, johnson already told him so, <laughs> yeah sure do you don't think that the celtics should draft him you think it's wise for him to just angle you know his family to kind of angle him away from number one if i'm being totally honest he's like number four on my board my big board but He's number two because of the circumstances. The Lakers won him. He is a, I think he is a franchise player that you bet on right now because he has the personality of a franchise player. So Lakers need people with heart. They need people with courage. They need people with a strong backbone. His dad, obviously, is all of everything they want him to be as far as strong and tough. But Magic Johnson will come and humble his dad because he's Magic Johnson. Oh, man. I really want so, to see that, though. I'm not doubting you. No, I don't, I don't. I'm not, I'm not even talking about like a – it ain't even going to be in a, like, argument type. It's going to be his dad's from L.A. and his dad probably idolizes Magic Johnson. Like, not idolizes him, but, like, yeah, that was probably right. his favorite player. Yeah. He's now the GM. So this is an easy, oh, yeah, I'll listen to anything you say. So now I think his dad won't actually interfere with the actual basketball side. What his dad is doing is just creating – animosity towards him which which may actually boost his you know boost your sales and all that but he has to the only thing he has to do is perform if he busts is going to be the worst buster because they're putting pressure on him well so i don't think he's a bust from what i'm hearing and the people who watch basketball 
Yeah, at the end of the day, you only play against the people you've been playing against your whole life. Your age group and a couple guys older than you. If I'm the Lakers, I'm seriously thinking about moving D'Angelo Russell. I mean, the, the big prize is Paul George. I don't know that you have to trade for him unless Boston makes a real play. He's an L.A. guy, and, and he's going to want to come. You know? Why don't you keep D'Angelo Russell and get Paul George? Well, now we're getting into the finances side. I was going to save this for Boston because oh, your theory, because your theory of getting Hayward, you know, taking Tatum one, and I mean that's great, but well, Isaiah's because, up for a contract, and I, I just don't know how you can but, afford all these well, players. Well, Boston. Okay, let's go through the draft real quick. I got Boston. They got Isaiah at the one. We know he's going to be a max player. He's built his name. He has the image. He has the skill set. He has the story. Right. Max, they don't have. A, I don't know if they have another Max player over there. Is it is, nope, is what's the name right getting? Al Horford's getting something, but, but not, not a Max. Max. Yeah, their number one pick is a potential superstar. You get him at a rookie rate for four years. So they just need to sign another guy. Like a if they if they get Hayward, then maybe you got to watch out for like a Avery Bradley or a Crowder or a Marcus Smart at some point. Maybe not being there. Yeah, probably they got Jalen Brown. Yeah. He's a stud, so I think every I think they can do the numbers. I don't know. I mean, I don't know the numbers as far as how much Hayward wants, how much other people are getting. But I just think if you if you sign Hayward and you get the number one pick, you don't need a point guard. The Fultz were it's either Fultz or Tatum. They'll probably take yeah. Fultz because they'll take the best player available. He, he can shoot. He can play off the ball and on the ball. But I say with their squad, they need a pure scorer in Jason Tatum with a Gordon Hayward. So that's two defenders, two long guys who can shoot. You're not going to be able to stop them on offense, so you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to lock them up. And I don't think you stop two six nine guys shooting threes and dribbling and dunking on you See, all I think, day. I think you can play Fultz with Thomas, especially in this NBA where ball handlers are king. And I think it's you know you yeah. see we mentioned Beal and Wall, both those guys. What makes them so dynamic is they both can handle the ball with ease. Yeah, and, and I don't and, I, you know, yeah. and I don't know how Fultz is going to defend at the next level. It remains to be seen. But the other side of that is you know I, I look at. You mentioned the players that they're gonna maybe lose. Bradley Smart. I mean, that's those, they would lose a lot of their wing players if they if they go that way and then they take Tatum. Well, go get like a Hayward. Yeah, I mean, if they if they get if they take if they take Tatum with that pick and you're gonna max well, out. Well, that's the same. Yeah, I mean, it's well, even Fultz or Fultz and, and Tatum will be both playing the shooting guard. Nobody's taking Isaiah Thomas spot, and they're not yeah, really okay. three. So you think so, Tatum's a true so, two in the NBA? It's interesting. No, he's a two or the three, but okay. I'm saying with their we're having Crowder, two and the three can basically do the same thing. It just depends on your personnel. You three, I mean, on the defense side, Tatum will guard the two before he guards the shooting guard. I mean, a small forward, so he's basically your two guard. If you get Fultz, the reason why I think they would take Fultz over Tatum is because he can. He's a rookie, so you bring him in in the system, and he can be the backup point guard running the show, but also play with Isaiah Thomas. So because you can have a potential lineup of. Just say this year, their current team with the pick without even Hayward. You have Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley Crowder, and then you go Markel Fultz and uh, Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart as your right. next three. Or, like, or that, what if you what if you take or, that pick and trade it to Chicago for Jimmy Butler? Uh, would I wouldn't trade it. You wouldn't do that. Okay, I I'm, I'm going it. I wouldn't trade the pick. Especially because guys, well, how many? Unless they're, I don't know, unless they really want a guy and they're close to like the beginning of their contract. But if we talk like even somebody talking about training for Paul George, no way. Yeah. I'm not convincing nobody to stay. We're the, we're the number one seed already. There's no incentive <laughs> yeah. for me to add any of y'all. I can go get somebody. And then what if Markel Fultz becomes bigger than them? 
I've never seen a one seed with the one pick. So this is like unfair kind of, but I love it because it's Boston. Like, like they didn't, they're not the, they're, they're not winning the championship this year, I don't think. So uh-huh. let them tool up because LeBron's going to have to play these guys. You know, it's funny. Um, the last time one, we saw a top seed with a top ish seed was the Detroit, the, the LeBron draft, and they took Darko over Mello and Wade. So, oh, I don't even remember <laughs> that. I forgot about that. Yeah, I so, forgot that day. And then they took over Mello, huh? No. And Wade, yeah. And both it, of them. Man. Yeah, so, you were, no, they had the two pick. They had the number two yeah, pick. Yeah, but this was this is my draft order. Even though I want, I think Boston should take Tatum. I say they're going to go Fultz. Lakers going to get Lonzo Ball. You said the Seventy Sixers. If I was the Sixers, I would take probably if if they want Ben Simmons to run point or to run hold the ball, then you got to go to like Malik Monk. Wow. But if you want a PG, <laughs> you want a PG, De'Aaron Fox. I just, I've never, you got to go yeah, your, your draft order, I've just never heard. I mean, I read mock drafts all the time. It's a little different. It's definitely. Well, Fulton, Fulton Ball are one, too. So I'm right right there with everybody. Yeah. Three, I don't who I don't know who everybody else. I'm looking at two because no, a lot of these guys yeah. that, that do these big boards, though, no, my only problem with them is they, they kind of, there's a little bit of, a little bit of marketing in there, a little bit of – I mean, I guess is what I want to see as well, but I'm looking at what the team needs. The team needs a point guard. Right. I was, just looking, at, run I was po- just looking at your Tatum, you know, what you would do, and then Monk at three. Well, I think they're going to be good players. I just – I don't know that teams are going to, you know, make that leap and, and take a gamble because it's tough. I mean, you miss well, on a pick. better like, than Monk? If you're not – I, I like pick. Josh Jackson. For, I think the kid out of Kansas oh, is going to okay, be good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You think he's uh, – but if we're talking about Philly, Philly picking, you think he can play with Ben Simmons? He's not a is he a prime time shooter? So if I know I'm, Malik Monk is the best shooter in the yeah, draft. If I'm doing the draft, how I think it's going to go? I think it's going to be Fulton Ball one two. I think they're either going to take Jackson or Fox at that three pick. Okay. I think Monk's okay, going to slide, and I don't think that's necess- I think Tatum will probably go four, and I think then they'll start to get interesting yeah, because I think yeah, Monk's going to slide. I think Tatum to the Suns could be good. Him and Devin Booker. Could no, be I great think that's perfect. Fun. I think that's perfect with, with Eric Bledsoe or Brandon yeah. or whatever it is oh, going over Booker there. And him would be nah, that's, a, that's the saying that I said. If he doesn't go to Boston, I would. I definitely think he's going for. My so only, I my, agree with you on that. My only thing is, I think Malik Monk is going to slide in the draft, kind of unfairly, maybe because I think he's great. He's exceptional at one thing, and he's a scorer. No, he's all right. Yeah, he's just good at one thing. He's but, great. Uh, but I think he's going to slide because I don't think teams in the top five or six are going to take a chance on a guy that they're not sure about the other aspects of his game. But You think in this as- in this time when they're all they're doing is shooting threes you know, and spreading the floor, look at Ben Simmons and Embiid, you think a Josh Jackson, I mean, you, do you think he negatively affects them? Does he make them better? If he does get picked at the, for Philly, I think so because if you're talking about unless they take a point guard now, if they don't take a point guard and they don't take Malik Monk and they go get Josh Jackson, he plays the three. So does Ben Simmons. Does Ben Simmons move to the two? Do they play together? <laughs> yeah, they got just a Jerry and Grant. Sure. <laughs> I mean, they have out, yeah, definitely. Well, you know what's funny is Sacramento falls to five, and they're probably going to end up with one of either Fox, Tatum, or Jackson. That's pretty good. I just hope. I hope. Do they get two picks? Uh. Thirteen or ten? I think it's. I think it's like thirteen. Because I, I honestly just like. I hope nobody goes there. I hope they get skipped in one of the Because yeah. I feel like there's certain teams I'm scared of. I'm not even scared of Philly because Embiid is there. But yeah. Orlando and Sacramento, they have not done nothing in. I feel like to better themselves at all. Like I know Minnesota didn't do any of the predictions I had, but that was my bias way. And I have no clue who we should pick. Dennis Smith Jr. I'd be okay with that. But then that means done. 
Mike, does that mean Dunn is the, the Dunn project is over yeah. if we take a PG? They got well, they're going to have their talent there, but you know what? I, I just wanted to say the last thing on Monk. I think a perfect landing spot for him would be if he drops down to eight and goes to the Knicks. I'd like him on that team. I think they I need don't, shooting. They don't have no. Well, yeah, they, they need a no, lot of things. They don't have no structure. Yeah. They don't have no structure. So a guy like him who only does one thing, and they're going to want him to be defender. They're going to want you to, to be a dribbler. Like, they don't. Yeah. I guess in a perfect world with an organization that knew what they were doing, it would make sense. Unless, you know, you never know, though. Chris Paul might end up, somebody might end up there. Maybe not Chris Paul, but somebody like that is, that wants to move around, shake it up. Yeah. Well. You can play with Melo. We'll see, though. Yeah, um, we will. We will. But, hey, this was. Don't be surprised if Tatum goes one. I'm just saying. I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna you know, call you out positively the second that happens because you're it's, it's Tatum, literally it's Tatum the, the first folks. person that said that. Yeah, yeah. If he doesn't go one, he's going to Phoenix. But it's Tatum or folks. Yeah. Watch. Mark my words. And ball, ball at um, two is a lock for sure. Oh yeah, that's done. Like they might as well get the two K created player already gone. I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with it either. I don't think there's nothing wrong with a team. And 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 he doesn't to me. Boston would only be like just trying to. I don't think it would be good for the franchise to take him if if he's only working out for Lakers either. I mean that's why I know it's a lock. Like why go take a guy that doesn't want to play here? Mm -hmm. That's what does that say to your team to your own team already as a one seed? If you're just like, oh, we need him. No, we don't need him. And it's a rivalry thing too. The Boston one, Lakers two. I want to play for the Lakers. I'm not trying (laughs) practicing with nobody. Catch me in the season. Isaiah Thomas, I'm six six. <laughs> I'm better than Kobe, and my dad's better than Jordan, and my shoes are six five hundred dollars a pair. Wow! So yeah. every time I dunk on you, I'm gonna do a commercial. Yeah, I still it, it always ends every time we bring up the Ball family. It always ends with those two hundred twenty five dollar flip flops. But what can you do? Oh, uh, I forgot about. <laughs> it. I don't. I, I like the shoes. I would have supported them if they weren't so expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't. I I, I believe in like like a. Market price to a certain extent, like you, like you're, there's nothing that you provide with your product that says 500. Although I think you're going to be a great player, but Jordan's shoe isn't 500. So if we have to be compared to you play, you play a sport, so if you have to be compared, your shoes not like you gotta. How are you gonna ever score 30 points in the NBA? We don't know. We don't even. I've seen a lot of guys. You're not better than Andrew Wiggins. Let's start there. You know I'm a Minnesota Ooh, guy, but you're not right. better than Andrew Wiggins. All right. So that's on. The, and he's not better than Levine. The battle the lines have been drawn. Yeah, we're not playing. The Lakers, they already stole our name. So, you know, once he gets over there, I can start hating on them okay. a All lot right. more. That's so. fair. But, all right, Black Beckham, this uh, was but, fun. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. we gotta, we got to keep doing this for sure as the draft approaches. And I uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on and talking hoops. And it was a good time for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, I'm always, always honored to be on the Money Mitch effect. I'm here. I know today was a little unorthodox of outside. Apologize, but yeah, thanks for having me. I'm always here to talk basketball. It's sad it's coming to an end. Summertime is uh, going to be long, so whatever. Yeah, enjoy it. I guess what you're saying, enjoy it, because we only have a few weeks left, and then it's going to be a long summer of no basketball. So we'll see. But thanks again. Yep. I appreciate you coming on the show. Yep, it's your boy Black Beckham. You're now listening to the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to Black Beckham for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to catch up with him. I want to check out all the good music he's putting out. 
follows NBA takes as well. They're pretty good. You know, some unconventional thoughts. We'll have to follow up on that lottery, but by and large, very, very sharp guy in the sport of basketball. Thanks to him again for coming on the show. All right, next up on the Money Mitch Effect, I'm going to talk UFC 211 with Ken. Kenny Kaczynski, good friend of mine. We played hockey back in the day a long, long time ago when we were just young lads, not you know grown men like we are now. But the UFC 211 pay-per-view was off the hook. We're going to talk about that. Stephen Mayoch is defending his title, among other fights as well. We're going to break all that down, look ahead to the summer. We're going to talk a little playoff hockey in the back end of that too. It's uh, Ottawa-Pittsburgh. Ottawa now up 2-1. to one. We recorded that before that game took place. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> they put a beating on Pittsburgh last night. But it's Ken Kaczynski, Money Mitch Effect. Here it is now. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect. To recap UFC 211, talk a little playoff hockey. The second time he's on the show, Kenny Kaczynski. Kenny, you are now hey. officially a reoccurring guest. So congratulations! It was a great, quite a journey, but you made it, and I'm happy for you. Well, you, you forgot one key element: your favorite goalie you've ever played with. That's yeah, key. that's right. <laughs> now you're, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for that. But yeah, no, totally my favorite goalie ever. Definitely, I'll say this: definitely the best personality of any goalie I've ever played. There you with. go. That, that that speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. Well, Kenny, I'm I'm glad you're on the show. This should be pretty fun. Uh, the first thing I do want to talk about is this UFC 211 pay-per-view that got hyped up pretty good. And, and I want to just ask you off the top, what did you think of this card? Because we had a lot of people going into it thinking that it could be the fight card of the year so far. I enjoyed it. I don't know where it ranks uh, throughout the year, but but I definitely think it was a good card. What was your takeaway from it? Uh, just real quick main card, just like looking at it at a glance, there's three fights Three fights I really, really, really wanted to see. Actually, possibly four. I mean, because you got Stipe, Cleveland guy, champ. Joanna, who is probably my favorite person to watch right now. Damian Maya Masvidal. I was super excited about that one. Maya, obviously a legend, Masvidal, up and comer. And then Frankie Edgar, man. What's not to like about Frankie Edgar? So, I mean, you could say four out of five fights were really, really exciting. And then the undercard that headlined it, I mean, Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, that, that, those are five solid fights that I would pay money for. Yeah, I mean, every fight's going to have a dud on there, which we'll get to in a second, every fight card, I should say. I thought this was a good card. Anytime you get a guy like Alvarez fighting on the prelims, that should speak volumes about the depth on this card, but you know, I'm with you. I thought it was a, a really strong one, and it showed a lot of the diversity of the fighters on the UFC roster. A lot of different styles, weight classes that were able to show up and show out. But looking at that prelim card, Kenny, what really caught your eye? I know there's a lot to choose from, but what stood out on the fights before the pay-per-view started? Well, the big controversy in the headliner, Eddie Alvarez had two illegal knees to Dustin Poirier's head, which, first of all, this this fight would have been one we are going to talk about for a while had it kept going. So it started off, Dustin Poirier was using his size and his reach and really just body kicks, punches, you know, using his jab very well, keeping Eddie Alvarez at distance. But Eddie Alvarez did get inside on him once, and really in the second round he took him down and started laying some knees, uh, some elbows on him, excuse me, and uh, really looked like he was doing some damage. And then uh, he looks like he's trying to keep him at distance on the ground, and Poirier had two, two hands on the ground, and Eddie Alvarez got him twice. 
he said it wasn't on purpose. It didn't look like he was really going for his head because he really could have hurt him, but yeah. he did hurt Poirier. Herb Dean came in and called it, and um, they called no contest right there. And I was a little disappointed because I wanted to see how that one would turned out because I think Poirier might have edged him out, but, again, we'll never know. Yeah, you know what was interesting, too? First off, Herb Dean, great job because we saw what happened uh, in New York when that same thing went down, or I shouldn't say New York, the last pay-per-view that had Weidman on it, because that was the first fight I thought was where they thought it was an illegal knee in Weidman's last fight, and it actually wasn't. He only had one hand on the ground, but I thought Herb Dean handled yeah. that perfectly. I thought he came right in. He said, obviously, you're not you're not going to keep fighting. You, you can't <laughs> keep going uh, because he's yeah. too messed up, and then it was whether it was legal or not legal, and it's unfortunate. I think Poirier fought well. I don't know how it would have how it would have finished. I'm I'm, I'm thinking momentum might have gone Alvarez's way, but again, we'll never know. Um, but it was just so shocking to see that result, and I I don't know how you don't run it back at this point. I know Alvarez wants to rebuild after the McGregor loss, but I I think they have to fight again. I think there's no other way. Yeah, and I don't know how Dana really feels about those no contest refights because he he hasn't done it in the past. Mm-hmm. He's you know put fighters with someone else. And now I've heard talk that they instituted the new rules for this uh, for this pay-per-view. I think they did last one as well. Yeah. And I don't know really what the buzz was about, but I've seen some things online. I didn't get a chance to read them, but saying that the new rules were the reasons why Herb Dean or why they called it a no contest. Now, I, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the farthest thing from an expert on the rule book of UFC, but the new rules are two hands on the ground. It's my interpretation. Yeah, and I, so, yeah, and I think that's where Eddie got confused. I think maybe one time he saw one hand, but mm-hmm. the one I saw, he had both palms. Dustin Poirier had both palms on the ground. And, so. it, and, I mean, it used to be one, and I think they took it out and made it two because guys could just do that. Guys or girls could just do that to kind of just get an advantage. Um, just tapping right, get a breather. You put two ends on the ground, that is a very vulnerable position to be in, to get need right in the face like that. So I understand it. I thought it was interpreted well. Uh, it was just a shame. And uh, it, it certainly got us going for what was an interesting night inside the octagon. The other fight I just want to mention quickly, Kenny, I don't know if you saw it. Jason Knight, Chaz Skelly. Wow. Knight oh. just put him in. Oh, that was Concussion City. I mean, Jesus. That, <laughs> that was a little yeah. tough to watch. And Knight was – I remember last fight I watched him. He looked really good. He he looks like he's an up-and-comer. The kid can throw some heat, man. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I like the way he fights. He keeps a good distance. And I, I want to say that he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. So like, he's a pretty dangerous guy even if he gets him on the ground. He is. Uh, and, you know, I thought – because we talked about some of the pre-card matches last week and in building up for the show – and this was a match where, again, Knight was the guy coming in with more buzz, but we didn't know what he was, you know, what he was capable of as he slowly moves up the ladder. But yeah, he, like you said, throwing heat. I mean, those punches were lethal. I do want to mention the worst fight on the main card before we dive a little deeper, Kenny. And that was the first fight, Dave Branch and Christoph Jodko, which wasn't supposed to be on the main card. It was uh, there was an injury beforehand that bumped them to the main card. And Dave Branch beat Jodko in a split decision. I think that was the right call. It was just a boring fight. It, it was just, you know, it was just a clash of styles. Now, you know, Branch did what he had to do to win, Kenny. But I, I just, I totally understand the fans booing because it was not fun to watch. Yeah, and you know what, David Branch does have a little buzz to his name, so I think they were kind of hoping for a little more excitement out of him because 
when he, I want to say he was 10-0 outside the UFC, and he was World Series of Fighting. He was 185 and 205 champion, like, concurrently. So the guy had some buzz behind his name, and it was a big signing, I want to say, for the UFC. And I, I obviously, Dana White wanted to have a better showing him because he, like you said, didn't put on a good show. Yeah, anytime you take a unproven young fighter in Jocko, you know, he's under 30, hadn't really been tested, you take a, a savvy veteran that just, isn't that flashy? Is going to do what it takes to win? I think you get those kind of ugly, you know, fights. And styles make fights for the better, and unfortunately for the worse. Well, let's move on to the four main fights on this card: Kenny Kaczynski, Money Mitch Effect, UFC 211. Kenny, that featherweight fight: Frankie Edgar and Yair Rodriguez. Wow. I mean, we, you want to talk about damage to somebody? You want to talk about just taking somebody out? Yair Rodriguez, a lot of heart, a lot of pride in fighting the way he did. But his face was destroyed by Frankie Edgar in this fight. The guy that Kenny has the most cumulative time in the octagon is Frankie Edgar. And he keeps going strong. What did you think of his performance this night? Yeah, it's crazy. Every time I watch this guy fight, I'm waiting for him to slow down or not be Frankie Edgar anymore. But every time he's getting better and better and better. And he showed it. Because Jair Rodriguez is like, he's one of the guys everyone's talking about. He could be the next champ. And... You know, if you've watched him fight before, the kid's got crazy skills, but Frankie Edgar came in like a bat out of hell, determined <laughs> as hell to beat the piss out of this guy, and he took it to him, man. Right off the bat, landed shots, got the takedown early, and just basically like just had his way, and Yair couldn't get him off him, and Frankie Edgar was all over him when they were on the feet, heavy pressure. I think Rodriguez only tried one wheel kick that's like his big thing, and even on the ground, I think he only tried one uh, submission attempt, and it was like a half, you know, a half-assed one at that. So yeah. Frankie Edgar's, um, and I think he's going to get a title shot next. And if he doesn't deserve it, I don't know who does because he's he's coming back, man. This guy's not done. How tall does Rodriguez go? About five eleven, five ten. I mean, he seems yeah, like he's, he's bigger. He, so that, this is the difference between boxing and UFC, right? The 5'11 versus the 5'7, 5'6 guy. You know, he, he couldn't keep his distance. I mean, in boxing, you could say a good jab can give you separation with the smaller fighter. Edgar just went right into his wheelhouse, said, I'm not afraid of you, took him down and just started pounding him left and right. I mean, it was, look, I, I was with you. I, I don't know how much more Frankie Edgar has. He's lost two fights to Aldo, but he's still going strong. I mean, the guys Edgar loses to are elite-level champions. So uh, maybe Rodriguez isn't ready. Maybe he'll be back. I mean, I know he's very young, but Edgar's still got it. He's still near or at the peak of his game, and there are some good fights left for Frankie Edgar. I know you mentioned the title fight with you know the Aldo Holloway winner, but I think there's a uh, Irish fighter that I wouldn't mind seeing him fight as well. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, there's. I could. I don't know if. It's tough to say what Connor's going to wind up doing because I don't know if he's going to stay at that weight class. But if he does, that's the first fight I give him is Frankie Edgar yeah. before his title shot. I mean, I could see Dana giving him a title shot because that's what Dana does. <laughs> but there's even um, what's his name? There's another killer in that class too. Well, I know you're really high uh, on the so. Russian kid. I, I know that's your guy after what we saw him do, Khabib, after he beat uh, Michael Johnson the last time we talked on this. Yeah, is he Khabib. just you know he just got he just has to stay healthy. I mean, I know we're diving off into the yeah. McGregor lane, but I think that's a fight that could be good as well. And I think well, Edgar and then, could beat Connor if he fights like he did on Saturday. 
Well, and you also got to remember Tony Ferguson, El Capui. Ooh, yeah. That guy. I could see him beating up Conor McGregor. I think he's going to be the next long-term champ just because of how he fights, man. He uses his length well. He's a killer on the ground. It, I just see him being the next guy. He's got a gas tank. I mean, similar to Frankie Edgar. Not Frankie Edgar, but I'd keep an eye out for El Kukui, man. I'm telling you. Yank Khabib, but El Kukui's the man. Yeah, well, there's a lot of fights now. Frankie Edgar clearly back near the top of the list with a dominating performance. And Rodriguez made it two rounds. And, and I think we all had that feeling, Kenny, that he was no way going to go back out for that third round the way his eye was looking. Yeah, it was pretty disgusting. I thought... <laughs> Honestly, I, I don't know how the fight didn't get stopped before that, but All these guys it is what tough. it is. And it was, <laughs> yeah, the, that's the thing. The kid's got heart, but, man, he couldn't see. So No. Well, I, I do want to mention this welterweight fight because I know this was the underrated one in your mind going into this card, the Maya Masvidal fight, which you want to talk about contrast of styles, this is it. Maya, the jiu-jitsu, basically the, the, the don of jiu-jitsu, and Masvidal, who is a striker. This was a split decision, which I thought was a little interesting. Maya gets the win, and he also gets the welterweight title shot, which we saw Dana White grant him after the fight. But can he have to be impressed with a guy at Maya's age to keep it going with this win streak and beat a very game, very tough opponent in Masvidal? Well, there's a few things i got to say about this fight. Okay. So, for, like, there's a lot to talk about, and there's things that I think you have seen to change about this fight and everything. But... Let's just get into the fight itself. So, Maya, like you said, jiu-jitsu god. And every time he goes out there, I'm thinking, okay, there's no way he's going to let him take him down. There's no way. We're going to beat him up with his boxing, his striking. But he manages to take everybody down. Even when they go, oh, I can blow him off. He manages to always take everyone down. And once you're on the ground with him, it's, it's done. You're not going to get off. If he gets full mount on you, you're done. If you're in like defensive position, you're done. Like, and that's what he showed. He showed it to a T. Why Damian Maya is Damian Maya, mm-hmm. and a boring fight for people that don't like that kind of style. But you know what? He was dominant, and that brings me to our next point. They, the refs need to go over what they determine or specify is favored. Is it going to be submission tries or doing a little bit more damage on the like you know uh, striking wise? And I feel like they need to use this fight as an example and sit down with the referees or the gaming commission or whatever it is and talk this out and go, okay, this is why Damian Maya won. Because there's a strong a strong argument to say Masvidal won that fight because he landed more strikes. So what do you think? You know, who like who he, do you think really won this fight? Do you, do you think Maya, do you think what he did was more effective than what Masvidal did? It's, see, it's tough for me to say. I think that... When you dominate on the ground like that, you are dominating the fight, and that is control. So for me, and I really appreciate jiu-jitsu, that, and it's not even jiu-jitsu, it's uh, MMA grappling, and that's what he's a master of. And I feel like if you're in the dominant position, doing and making attempts and doing some strikes, not doing a lot of damage, but attempting strikes and attempting submissions, I feel like that if you're dominating the fight, you should win that fight. And I feel like the judges got it right. It, to me, it was a split decision. And it should have gone to Maya. It was a super close fight because, like I said, you can make strong arguments for Masvidal, who he was an up up and comer who I really thought was gonna give Maya a lot of trouble, and he did. You know, he hung in there all three rounds, but yeah, Maya proven to be the vet that he is, found a way to get it done. Well, Masvidal showed he was up for the challenge, but ultimately Maya was. 
like you said, the vet able to get it done. I just wonder, though, is that style going to work against that, <laughs> that beast in Tyron Woodley? Because I don't know. That's, all, that's yeah. a tough guy to be taken down. See, and that's but that's what everyone said about the last seven fights Maya's had, that it's a seven-fight win streak. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, this is going to be very interesting to see how Tyron takes this. But, I mean, but Woodley, one punch and night-night. <laughs> and that's sleeping. all it takes when he tries to blitz in. And Maya's old. He doesn't have the chin he used to have, if he even has a chin anymore, you know. And Tyron throws those bombs. They're nuclear weapons coming from hell. You know, I'm going to take you out. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that guy's a welterweight, but that's going to be a great fight when that fight does happen. It's going to be great. All right, Kenny Kaczynski, Money Mitch Effect, UFC 211, the co-main event, two great championship fights, and we got to start with the strawweight fight. Uh, okay, I've been practicing this all week. Is it J- J- Nope, I got it wrong again. I can't pronounce her name. It's Double J. That's what I'm going to call her, but she's... Arguably, Kenny, the best striker in all of UFC. I saw Brendan Schwab tweet that out, and I couldn't disagree with it. She wins by unanimous decision, and her striking is unbelievable. Yeah, and it's Joanna Jenjacek, okay? A fellow Polak, I'll help you, you pronounce it, okay? Jenjacek. It's so <laughs> bad now because I know exactly who she is. I can't say I don't know it. Like, I, I, it's <laughs> This isn't enough income fighter, <laughs> but... Everybody calls her Joanna Champion, and deservedly so. She's she remains undefeated, Kenny. She took a a nasty punt. She took a nasty strike in the first round that made her head swell up by the end of that fight. But aside from that, I mean, this really wasn't that close. What what did she do out there to just impose her will for five solid rounds? Well, this is why she's my, one of my favorite fighters to watch. Like probably my top three favorite fighters to watch because she's just so dominant. So. Really, this fight, she just showed off her footwork, her cardio, her game plan, and her strikes. Like, she kept her at distance for the most part. Don't get me wrong. Andrade, she had some good blitzing. She got in there and cracked, like you said, JJ, a couple times. Pretty solid, man. But for the most part, Joanna just kept her at distance and just picked her apart, man, and used her cardio and her footwork. She was just dodging out of those punches left and right. She was... She was perfect, and even the takedowns that Andrange got, she popped right back up. Like you couldn't keep her down. She's like a little, she's like a cat out there. She's so quick to her feet. It's crazy. Yeah. You know what's crazy too? And, is and I just, I just want to say, I, you mentioned that point. Her getting right back up. While I was watching that fight with a bunch of people, I said, I wonder if there's an advanced stat out there for just getting immediately back up after a takedown because I noticed it too. Every takedown Andrade had, JJ just got right back up. It was unprecedented. I mean, it was. It was it was fun to watch, and, and her strikes were like a boxer's combination. I mean that to the utmost regard. I mean, she punches like a legit prize fighter. I just thought her combinations oh, she, were brilliant. She could have the best hands in the UFC. Like, her hands are that good. Now, pound for pound, I could say she's top five, top three pound for pound best fighters in the UFC. I mean, DJ is obviously number one. Oh, okay. But she she could be number two, man. I don't see it's a hard, it's It'd be a tough sell, but she could be the number two pound-for-pound best fighter because you watch her out there, like you even said, she's flawless. And her when she has a game plan, when she has a good game plan, she's so dominant. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, it's funny, too. I can't really argue with DJ number one uh, on your list because the only two guys I would have said, one got you know beat recently for his title by Cody Garbrandt, and the other guy 
uh, has some run-ins with DUIs and hit and runs and, and drug problems. So yeah, I think DJ's the number one pound for pound right now. But <laughs> yeah, but like like you said though, everyone knows John Jones is the baddest man on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's not fighting, so yeah. like he can't be the b- baddest man on the planet. But I think that's kind of why people hate Cormier though too, because they know he's not the real champ, so to speak. You know. It's an interesting time for the UFC because we have these debates now, these legitimate... I mean, when's the last time we could go five deep with JJ where we could say these guys are the baddest, you know, the best at what they do pound for pound? I mean, there's legitimate arguments to be made up and down the board. I think it's good. And and, and what JJ's done is cl- not clean out the strawweight division, but raise the game. I mean, there's a lot of good fighters, but it, it's going to be hard to take that belt from her. Yep, and then you see how many people are coming over now from Muay Thai or other organizations to get in here to fight her because she's the best. Oh, go Nashville. But, um, oh, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, she has definitely raised the bar, and everybody wants to come now and test themselves. Because you see the last couple fights she's had, like, I think the last, the one before this, she was, um, she was a Muay Thai champion she fought. So, like, people are coming to fight her, man. Yeah, and you know what? We're starting to see this is a budding star. Um, she has personality. She's somebody that I think the EFC can market as one of their figureheads. I don't think she does it as overboard as a McGregor or whatnot, but you know, I think this is good. And, and this was the peak of her powers on display. It was something to see. Kenny, the last fight was the heavyweight title fight, and it lasted all of two minutes and 22 seconds. Stipe Miocic beat Junior Dos Santos in a rematch, avenging his most recent loss. A first-round knockout, his, what, fifth straight knockout, four straight, I think we're in the first round, four to five at least. Stipe, the baddest man on the planet right now at the heavyweight division. He beats Junior Dos Santos, and I think Joe Rogan put it best. He's kind of evolving as a fighter. This is a different guy, a much better fighter than the Stipe Miocic who fought a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, like, Stipe Miocic a couple years ago was a wrestler, and he was just going to be brute strength, and, oh, I'm going to outmuscle you. Now, his striking has improved so much. He beat Alistair Overeem, a K-1 Grand Prix champion. Like, he's beating guys. What he's doing is he's solidifying himself as one of the top heavyweights of all time mm-hmm. and in the UFC, and he <laughs> – it's crazy. I think he's going to be a long-time champ. Not a long time, but long time for heavyweights. Because heavyweights, it's hard to hold that title for a long time. And Dos Santos, man, don't get me wrong. He started that fight with those nasty leg kicks, man. Stipe was hobbling out there, you know. Stipe just pushed, pushed the pressure, got and put, put his back on the fence, and just beat him up, man. That's all straight up. And then he put him down, knocked him out. Well, I want to say, too, I mean, Junior Dos Santos is a great fighter, one of the nicest guys in UFC by all accounts. I just don't know if he's got a lot left in the tank after some of the wars he's been through. And this was also his right. first it, fight back in like a year. It's kind of tough to be walking right back into Stipe. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what to make of right. his and future. I see similarities to his career and Verdun. They're both winding up, and I feel like there's, no real reason for them to fight anymore, and I think they might be coming to that realization. Dos Santos, I think, maybe has one or two fights left in the UFC, and I don't think they're going to sign him again if they do, if, even if he wins, but it's I just don't see him sticking around anymore. Him or Verdum. I think Verdum's all but done. And Stipe is taking the crown. He's beaten some legends. Arlovsky, Overeem, now Dos Santos, 
Like he he's making a real name for himself, and I right. think he can stick around for a while. Right, he's putting these legends out to pasture. It seems like, um, but he's now he's tied the most title defenses by UFC by UFC heavyweights too. That's it. That's the record. No one has defended it three times. But I have to ask, he faced thirty four. Is there any other fight that makes sense than him and Cain Vasquez when he's healthy? See, now that's the big, that's the big uh, uh-oh there is, can Cain be healthy for a fight? Because he hasn't been able to do it. And that's the only other fight I really see Stipe taking. I mean, that, that's the one that he needs to, needs to do to solidify himself as the champ of the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. You know, it's his done. I'm going to be honest with you too, Kenny. I, I don't know that. I mean, I'm a big Stipe guy like you are. Kane would scare me because <laughs> Kane, when he is healthy, I know that's a big caveat, but I don't. I think he's the scariest guy to ever walk into an octagon. I just <laughs> no. That's all I'm saying. I agree because his gas tank at that weight class, he just drags people to open water and just beats the tar out of them, you know. And he's that guy. But again, other than him, who else is in the heavyweight division that you're like, oh, he could do something? Like I don't. Off the top of my head, I'm not really thinking of anybody. Maybe Francis Nagato, the uh, the French guy, maybe, but I don't know if he's yeah, ready yet. Yeah, or um, the Black Beast. That's the fight. Zingano, yeah, I guess, but I I think Stipe would take care of him though. Derek Lewis though, mm-hmm. that's who it is. I see. Francis <laughs> I think is Derek a guy. Lewis. Yeah, Francis is a guy. I think they need to just group. I, he hasn't really beaten anybody. I think he'll get there, and I think that might be a fight down the road for Stipe, but. You know, he's cleaning out that division. I, I just want to see Stipe Kane because I, I think, you know, that's the fight there. The the only other the only other thing that I could see happening and we're foreshadowing is let's say uh the light heavyweight champion reclaims his belt, you know, rematches with Gustafson, beats him again. Does John Jones move yeah. up to heavyweight? See, I think well you've you've seen the videos and the pictures and Instagram and everything like that. John Jones is big, man. Oh yeah. But if John Jones at Stipe at heavyweight, I think John Jones, uh, he's the best fighter on the planet. I think he wins it no matter what division he's in. Just for the his build and his mentality and his strength. and He's just got it all. But I do, if Kane can't get healthy, I could see Stipe fighting the winner of a Derek Lewis-Francis Mangano fight. Because that Derek Lewis, I'm telling you, the last three fights, He's crazy, and he just moved to a gym because, like, he was training at a UFC gym in Chicago, like you know the one like you or me could go to and pay for. Yeah, that's where he won it. That's how he won his first three fights in the UFC, and like so, those last two, he actually has a real trainer, a real game plan, and all this, and he's looked crazy good. <laughs> like I'm telling you, he's a scary man. He wow. is very scary. Oh, I believe it. Well, it's uh, it's something to monitor going forward. The heavyweight division. Stipe Miocic at the top, but what will happen underneath him? What will his next fight be as the champ reigns supreme? Well, Ken Kaczynski, this was fun. Before I let you go, i got to get your thoughts on these playoffs down to the Final Four with some new blood, some old blood. Unfortunately, the Penguins keep floating around. But what's been your biggest takeaway from uh, the NHL playoffs this year? Always a great tradition in the spring. Well, I feel like the main things that I'm seeing, it's like typical playoff hockey way more physical like i'm seeing teams that aren't that physical defense like pittsburgh and ottawa like it's kind of crazy watching those two teams go at it but really the thing that stands out the most to me i mean as a goalie is the goaltending um me personally i'm not a big gibson fan 
But I'm watching this game today, and he looks great, you know. And Kekarine, what can you say bad about that guy? And then Anderson is standing on the set, and Flower has come around this playoffs, and he's taking his job back. It's kind of crazy how it's going to turn out because every game's been a goaltending battle for the most part, especially these these last rounds here. Yeah, so, I wanted to ask you about that, Kenny, about Flower, Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, this was a guy that had won a cup, had had some struggles, and was by all accounts the backup. So as a former goalie, what, what goes through your head to kind of get ready for that? I mean, are you ever fully prepared to come back in? I mean, Murray gets injured in warm-ups in game one of the playoffs, and, and he hasn't missed a beat. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, he's got experience, and I think he's kind of he kind of rode on that because, I mean, even for me, Knowing you have the day off or something, well, even in his case, he's been a long time backup. I mean, as a professional, you have some sort of like, yeah, I'm ready. But I think his team really helped him in that game one, even though he did play well. It's they kind of, I don't know, they didn't really rely on him or lean on him too, too much. I mean, he made good saves, but coming in like that, you really can't be ready. You can't be ready to come in for playoff hockey. I mean, maybe he did. He's that's why he's a professional, but. Honestly, nothing can really – it's mental prep all day before a game, man. Yeah. Well, and you know what else stands out to me in these playoffs, Kenny, is that it seems like collectively the talent has risen to the point where there's not that gap anymore between the premier teams and the quote-unquote mediocre teams. I mean, Nashville was an eight seed. Ottawa was not supposed to be here. They've made deep runs, but they're not, you know, going quietly into the night. You know, Ottawa's right there with Pittsburgh in two games in Pittsburgh, the defending champs. Nashville swept the Blackhawks. I mean, these are teams that have raised their games come playoff time, and I just don't think you see that too much in other sports except for pro hockey. No, they everyone's elevated their game. Like you, I'm watching even this game right now. Ekholm, he hasn't really done anything. He's play or Arvidsson, that's who hasn't done anything yeah. really these playoffs. And look at them. Nashville's doing fine, man. Like, everyone's picked it up around them. But I just want to comment on the playoff format because I really hated it. And because, I mean, being from Ohio, seeing Columbus get knocked out early because they have to play the Pens yeah. in the first round when they were, what, one point behind them? Yeah. Like, that's kind of crazy, and I don't like it. I don't like it either. I've railed on it a while. I think they, they wanted to bring back rivalries, but you'll play each other in the playoffs if you're good enough. I think that's overblown, right. and, I, and I don't think that was necessary. Um, but the positive side to that is a team like Pittsburgh, Kenny, they make it out of that division, they make it out of that gauntlet, and they're looking the best going into this round because they've probably faced their toughest test already. So, I mean, True. You know. But then again, you got to remember, though, one of the best teams, top three teams in NHL this past year is out early in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. when don't you kind of want the better teams to make it far in the playoffs? Isn't that kind of what playoffs are all about? And yeah. I feel like that's the reason you win those games so you can not play a strong opponent in the first round. You're supposed to be rewarded, you know? And I feel like Count Bettman is just doing a lot of teams a disservice, we'll even to, though some people are benefiting from it. Yeah, I'll have to bring that up at the uh, owners' meetings in Vegas this year at the uh, roulette, at the roulette <laughs> table. When I see Batman, there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I, I think it's just an, it's just quirky. It's not necessary. Uh, but by and large, playoff hockey is amazing, and uh, I don't care. I know we're in agreement here. I, I don't want to hear the national media say, "Oh, it's small market teams." If it's Nashville and Ottawa, it, it doesn't matter to me. This it's playoff hockey. It's going to be two great teams, whoever they are. I could care less how big the, the city, the market that they're from. 
I really don't care. I agree. I agree. Playoff, good hockey's good hockey, man, and we're watching some of the best right now. Yeah. Well, all right, Kenny, I'm going to let you go. We'll get back to finishing up this game. But thanks for coming on the show and breaking down UFC 211. Uh, we'll have to have you back on. I know there's some summer fights that we were looking forward to. Uh, so we'll have to have you on to discuss those. Heck yeah, man. It's been fun. And like I said, you can always call me if you want to talk UFC. I mean, or hockey, whatever you want, man. I'm always down. I might bring the equipment up to Seattle and just ambush you. So be ready for that. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> All right, Kenny. Take care. Thanks again. Yeah, see you later, Mitch. Have a good one, buddy. A big thanks to both guests, Black Beckham and Ken Kaczynski, for appearing on the Money Mitch Effect and making it better, improving the quality of this show by coming on and dropping knowledge in the respective sports topics. Big thanks to them. They are welcome anytime. And I don't just say that. I'm not someone that's just going to let anyone into my house, metaphorically or real, anytime. So thanks to them for appearing on the show, doing it well. The Money Mitch Effect can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. You can find all the episodes of the entire catalog. And you can follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, for sports and other takes. That's going to do it for this week's show. Remember, we'll be back next week, one to two shows. We're going to try to go for two, as always. Got to update you on the NBA, NHL playoff picture, baseball season, and the French Open is going to start a week from Sunday. So I'm thinking, yeah, two shows for sure. We might just do one all tennis. I don't know. French Open coming up. No Federer, but Nadal, no Maria Sharapova either. She's not granted a wild card, and social media is in a fervor. But, hey, it's what happens, you know. She she, uh, she did something she wasn't supposed to do, and she's suffering the consequences for it. But that's going to do it for the Money Mitch Effect. If you need me this weekend, I'll be in Las Vegas. The Preakness Stakes is going on there. Uh, but in all seriousness, thanks for listening to the show. I am Mitch Michaels. It was a pleasure talking sports with you. And until next time, enjoy it. Enjoy all the sports, all the TVs. Keep them all on. I am Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I'll see you later.